Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. I want to tell you a story to begin this episode of the podcast. It's a story about an experience of religious fervor during prayer, which I observed and which many people observed. But somehow it touched me very, very deeply, so much so that I remember it so clearly, even after almost 35 years. Part of the reason I think it touches me so deeply is because I wish that I could have moments like this during my prayer. Occasionally I do, but in terms of frequency and certainly in terms of intensity, this particular image that's in my mind is a model that I would love to aspire to and to reach at some point on occasion. Again, Maybe I do on occasion, but I wish it were more frequently. So what's the story? In 1989, the University of Michigan basketball team won the national championship. In the final game, Michigan was trailing by one point in overtime with about four seconds left when the referees called a foul against the opponent, Seton Hall. One of the Michigan players, Ramil Robinson, went to the free throw line and calmly sank two free throws to give Michigan the lead, and a few seconds later, the game was over and Michigan had won. There was celebration in the stands. There was jubilation among the Michigan faithful as everybody was singing Hail to the Victors along with the marching band playing the Michigan fight song so uh, clearly. People were jumping up and down, hugging each other, and the camera was on the TV camera was like spanning the crowd and then focused on one woman. And this woman had a shirt on that said, I'm Ramil's mom. This was Ramil Robinson's mother. And while everybody else was celebrating and cheering and smiling, she had tears rolling down her cheeks. She was practically shaking. She had her hands lifted up to the heavens. And she kept saying the same words over and over again. There was no sound. You couldn't hear her, but you could certainly read her lips very clearly. Over and over again, she was saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I have to tell you, the prayer didn't resonate with me for two reasons. Number one, I'm not a Christian. And number two, I don't connect God to sporting events in this way. But that doesn't matter right now. To look into her eyes, and to see that religious fervor at that moment of her thanking God, thanking in a religious, spiritual statement for what had occurred was just something that stuck with me always. And it makes me think what a great country we live in. What a great country we live in where people can make that kind of religious statement, can in the midst of a crowd, take a moment and express their deepest spiritual yearnings and others will look, many, with, with admiration. Even if the prayer itself doesn't resonate with us to see somebody finding such spiritual meaning in that moment and connecting with their creator. It is a sacred right that we have as Americans to pray and express our religious and spiritual feelings and beliefs and hope that others are inspired by them. It is a sacred right. 
But that right, like so many of our other rights, is not absolute. There are times where the expressions of one's deepest religious convictions is not appropriate. And certainly, the decision by the Supreme Court this past week to side with a high school football coach whose desire was against the instructions of the school district to go to the 50-yard line and to kneel in prayer following the football game, the decision by the Supreme Court to side with that coach was, I believe, an egregious error and is harmful to this nation and will, I believe, have ramifications far beyond this one individual case. Make no mistake about it, this was not a case about the right to pray. This football coach had a right to pray. It's just not at that moment in that way. At another place, at another time, or in another way, perhaps just standing in silence for a moment, he had a right to pray. But he didn't have a right to proclaim his religious faith in a public school setting. And that was a public school setting, even if it's only a football game and even if the game is over. And the reason that it's a public school setting is because he was often surrounded by other players from the team who either felt the same as he did or were inspired by him or motivated by him or, God forbid, felt compelled against their own particular religious or lack of religious expressions within that, that they had in their hearts to join in order to be part of the group. This was wrong. Even if he is the most sincere religious individual in the world, and let, I'll grant him that, this is not a statement based upon religious sincerity. The desire to pray at that particular moment is, in essence, a, a political statement that I can proclaim my faith any place that I want to, and it is not appropriate to do it in a public school setting. I grew up in the public schools from in the 1960s and early 1970s, and I remember my teacher in second grade reading from the Bible. I didn't know what she was reading, but I know it was the Bible. I remember in fifth and sixth grade that we began each day with a patriotic song. I don't have a problem with that. But then followed it with a non-sectarian, God-centered uh, song. It was carefully worded so that it didn't offend anybody's religious sensibilities unless you didn't have any religious sensibilities, unless you didn't believe in God at all, in which case it was forcing a particular belief on people. And it was wrong. And it was wrong for us to have a Christian to have a Christmas assembly where all of us, regardless of where we of our own religious or lack of religious faith, were dressed up like angels singing the first Noel. Now I survived it, but it's wrong. And it was wrong then, and thankfully it doesn't happen in most schools now. But after this ruling by the Supreme Court there are ramifications. And we're already hearing about cases where school districts are starting to question whether they've been too strict about the distinction between 
religion and state in this particular case and keeping religious expression out of the public schools and desire for more of that to find its way into the public school's curriculum or experience. And it's wrong. Yes, I believe that religious exp expression is very important and that this be a nation where people bring their religious faith to in their communities and even on occasion reaching beyond their communities with interfaith work, which you know is so important to me. But there has to be a boundary. And that boundary certainly exists in the public schools. And this decision to weaken that boundary is a very serious issue. Because this isn't a religious question, this is as much a political question about the direction of our nation and how those who have minority religious viewpoint, the religious viewpoints from minority communities in terms of religion, or those who do not want to be exposed and have their children exposed to religious thought, which is certainly their, their right, this is a problem. It is a serious issue. And as much as I have criticism for other decisions of the Supreme Court that they've made over the past few weeks, I have serious criticism of this one because I think it shows the direction that the majority of the court wants to lead this nation in. And I think it's a dangerous direction. Religious fervor and, 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 and passion can be so important in the life of an individual. But common respect for what we stand for as a nation, what we should stand for a nation, means that people should have the responsibility to find the proper place for that religious expression. And the public schools is not the proper place. Until next time, thank you.